So the title of this morning's message is Terror. Terror. And some of y'all are thinking, wow, what a title for a message. Pastor, we don't really come to church uh, expecting to hear about terror. But I want you to encourage you in this. I entitled it Terror because there was nothing that will make the enemy run from you in terror like a believer who is using the sword of the spirit or the rhema word of God in their life, the revealed word of God in their life. And so let's talk about this sword just for a minute, the, the, the physical sword that, that Paul was describing when he begins to talk about it. And understand as we've gone through this series, God did not give us a sword, he gave us the spirit that works like a sword. God did not give us a belt, he gave us truth that works like a belt. God did not give us a breastplate, he gave us righteousness that works like a breastplate. And so many times people say, well I got my shield, your shield of what? You got faith that works like a shield. Okay, so we've got to remember that. And I'm going to butcher these terms in the Greek, okay, this, this term right here. The term in the, in the Greek of sword is, is makara. M-A-C-H-A-I-R-A, and this is literally the description of this when you look it up. This was a weapon of terror. It was about 19 inches long. Both sides of the blade were razor sharp, making this much more dangerous than any of the swords, the previous four that they used in Roman history. The tip of the sword was angled upward, and at the end of the blade was an extremely dangerous point. The wounds inflicted by this sword were far worse than any of the blades ever before used by Rome. As a soldier would stab the enemy because of the specific design of the sword himself, as he would stab the enemy and it would go in, he would be taught to twist it, and when he would pull it out, it would literally cut him in such a way that the guts of his enemy would fall out onto the ground and he would die. Some of you are like, ooh, that's kind of graphic. I got kids in here. Teach your kids how to fight. <laughs> right? Teach them how to stand on the word of God because this is what it's talking about. See, the sword that it's talking about was about 19 inches long and it would be very sharp on both edges and it would come out and be kind of curved like this. And so simply by nature itself, when it would stab in, it would just leave a little inch like that. But because of the nature of the blade itself, it would cut about six inches on the inside. And so when they would bring it in and they would go in and it would cut down, they would turn it to pull it out, and when they pulled it out, it would do the exact opposite. So it would go in and cut down, they turn it, it would cut up, and when they pulled it out, everything in the middle would fall out. Now some of y'all are thinking, wow, what does that have to do with us? Understand this, our job using the sword of the Spirit is not just to keep the enemy at bay, it's to literally kill the attack of the enemy on our life. It's to kill it. It's not to subside it. It's not to subdue it. It's not to weather it. It's to kill the attack of the enemy on our life. And listen, you must begin to think about this in a different form. You're not doing this to a person, right? It says our battle is not against flesh and blood. You're not doing this to a person. You're doing this to the spirit behind the person, the driving force that makes people do the things that they do, the unforgiveness. How many of y'all want to kill unforgiveness in your family's life? Amen. How many of y'all want to kill addictions in your family's life? Amen? You don't want to kill your family. You want to kill the force behind the family that's causing this to happen. And as this is such a graphic scene, this is made for you to be made known about how God intends you to use his revealed word or the spirit of God in the revealed word in your life. And so what we're going to learn about this morning is exactly that, how to do everything that we just heard in the physical, do it where it actually yields results in our life. And so as we're carrying this, as we're going into this, we got, we're going to talk about carrying the sword first of all. And the first thing it's important to note is this. Paul calls this the sword of the Spirit or the revealed Word of God, not the sword of the Logos, the written Word of God. Okay? We talked about the belt of truth. The belt of truth is the most pivotal part of all the armor that you have. Okay? The belt of truth is the most amazing piece because it's the only piece of armor that's spiritual and physical. 
It is the written word of God. Some of you have it on electronic form. Some of you have it on paperback form. Some of you never carry it. Some of you always carry it. But it is the written word of God that is the belt of truth. That is not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about the sword of the Spirit. So it's important to note that when Paul is discussing here, he's talking about the word of God that is revealed to the spirit of you in man by the Holy Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. He gave us his spirit with the word that acts like a sword. And so it is not the written word of God that we're talking about here, but it is all contingent on the written word of God. And I'll explain to you this in the physical armor, the belt, the belt of truth that it carried literally held the sheath for the sword. What does that mean in the spiritual? If you're not in the written word of God, don't expect to get anything spiritual from God. Oh, God, speak to me. Get into the Bible. A lot of, and I've said this in the series before, Rick Warren said it in, in, in a church in California that he pastored, he's like, I don't understand how people can call themselves Christians and not read the Bible, and I agree with them 100%. God, we want a movement of you, but we don't want to open the written word of God. God, we want more power, but we don't want to read the Bible. God, we want to see you do something amazing in Sulphur Springs, Texas, but I don't want to read this. You cannot get a spiritual movement of revival taking place without the written word of God first being firmly in place. So we must begin to bank our lives on the written word of God. Then he'll reveal it to us so we can use the spirit with the word of God to kill the enemy and literally crush him in what he's doing. So how does the sword of the spirit and the written word of God work together? They work just like the, the belt does and the, and, the, and the armor does with the sword. You'll never get a, a spirit word from God or revealed word from God without the written word being firmly in place. And listen, we got to become very comfortable with the term spirit and Holy Spirit throughout this message. Okay, and not just throughout this message, in your life, you've got to become very familiar with the term spirit and Holy Spirit in your life, okay? Because listen to these two scriptures. Jesus makes very clear the job of the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John. In John 14, 26, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever been afraid of the Holy Spirit, stop because Jesus just called him your helper. So in this, he says, the, help, the helper, the Holy Spirit in your life, whom the Father will send in the name of Jesus. Now, if you can't trust that, I mean, you can't get more clear than Jesus saying, listen, this is a godly thing. The Holy Spirit is godly. We want you to understand it. Because the helper, he's your helper. He is the Holy Spirit whom God the Father will send in the name of Jesus. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. See, my prayer this morning is that God would immerse this message into your spirit so when you're going out through your week this week, you'll remember parts of this message and the Holy Spirit will bring back to everything to you that I've said to you. Jesus said the same thing. I've told you way too much stuff in a three-year time period for your mental faculties to grab hold of all this. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit in years to come will bring back to your remembrance all the things that I, Jesus, have told you. That prefaces what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in John chapter number 16. He goes on to say in John 16, verse 13, just about a chapter and a half later, when the spirit of truth comes, we're dealing with the sword of the spirit and the word of truth, and you can't get a spiritual word from God without the word of truth, so the Bible simply combines it and says the spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not even speak on his own authority, but he will only speak what he hears the Father telling him, and he will declare to you things that are to come. So in this process of getting very comfortable with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in your life, he's only going to do what Jesus or God the Father tells him to do. He doesn't act on his own. 
He's going to do what Jesus or God the Father tells him to do. And then he's only going to tell you what they told him to tell you. And he's going to tell you things that are going to happen in your life. He'll prepare you for the battle ahead. So the sword of the Spirit of the Word of God in your life is something that's amazing. And it's something you need to get very comfortable with. Because many times in our life, and I even use this analogy in, in, in my doctoral thesis, we're like a kid, a three-year-old kid who got a sword on Christmas Day. And we run around the house and the whole house is in terror because we don't know how to use the sword. <laughs> the cat's running and hiding under beds. <laughs> Mom and dads are jumping up on chairs like, get away, put that thing down. <laughs> and many times the body of Christ is more accustomed to using the word of God like that and causing terror in the church than using it as the precise, amazing weapon that God created it to be that literally with one stab will kill the enemy and watch him fall helpless before you at your feet. This morning we transitioned from the three-year-old causing terror in the house of God to the spiritual warrior that God's called us to be, rightly dividing the word of truth as the Bible calls it. So this morning, this is how you carry the word of God. You can't carry the word of God until you begin to know the word of God I want you to begin to become very familiar with your Bible as I use the three-year-old analogy many of you we operate like that but have you ever seen a man going to war operate like that have you ever seen a person going to war very unfamiliar how to use his his equipment that he has for battle no, in fact, that the soldiers that go out were well-trained in the area of how to use whatever specific uh, weapon that they had. The Bible calls us and our weapon the sword of the Spirit, the revealed words of God. And so we must be very comfortable with using the revealed word of God in, 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 the, in the battles that we're facing. But many of us can't use the revealed word of God because we haven't been in the written word of God. And many times you will not get a revealed word from God, and I would say 99% of the time you will not get a revealed word from God until you've been in the written word of God. And I leave it at 99% because of this, because you got born again by a spiritual movement of God before you were ever literally in the written word of God, but the written word of God was delivered to you in such a way that the spirit of God could move in your life on it. So just because you hadn't been in it doesn't mean he can't bring you revelation from it. But listen, as you grow in Christ, what you hear on Sunday morning and get the ahas from on Sunday morning shouldn't be what captivates you throughout your week. It should be a refresher. It should be a builder-upper. It should be an encourager. It should be something that inspires you to go deeper and begin to learn how to use your sword more and use it mightily in battle. And so as we begin to deal with this and carrying the sword, we must get to know the sword. And listen, it's not just knowing the truth. It's the truth you know. It's not just knowing the truth, it's the truth you know, and I'll explain that because many of you can quote a ton of verses of Scripture. You can quote a lot of verses out of the Bible. You can quote Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still quiet waters. He restores my soul. You can quote it, but do you know it? See, it's not just knowing the truth, it's the truth you know. Because I can tell how the difference is. Many of you can quote it, but when the electric bill comes up, because we had snow in Texas, Lord help us, right? When the electric bill shows up, because you've had your heater on 80 degrees all three weeks that we've had bad weather, right? Amen, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Tells you, Fiji's a spiritual place. I'm, it's great. 
and you had your heater on, your electric bill shows up, and you freak out. And then because you're freaking out, you hand it to your wife, and she freaks out. You know the scripture, but you don't know the scripture because you know that the Bible just said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still quiet waters. He restores my soul. And so electric bill, God is my supply. I'm not worried about you, but God, I need you to show me how we're going to get this taken care of. Two different things. And the problem is many believers have tried to get by by just quoting the logos or written word and not using the sword of the spirit and making it a revealed word. So it's not just about knowing the truth. It's about the truth you know. And when you know truth, it means you have an experience with the truth. Now listen, your experiences are great. I love the experiences you had with the word of God and how the word of truth is made manifest in your life. But don't just leave it at experience. Figure out how to back it up doctrinally and theologically so nobody can ever talk you out of your experience and you have word backing for your experience. Some of y'all are like, well, that's a lot. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. And so many people saw somebody else get set free and have an experience that you're trying to go off their experience. You need to get your own experience. And then you need to back it up doctrinally and theologically. We can help you do those things. It's what we're here for. But when you finally get to the point of knowing the truth, and not just knowing about the truth, you know the truth, and it becomes active in your life, and you begin to back it up, you will never lose a victory or lose a battle in that area ever again. You will always maintain victory if you keep that fresh. Kind of like some of you got born again and you hadn't done nothing since then, but nobody can talk you out of your salvation. You can back it up theologically, doctrinally, and you, and you know you had the experience with salvation. Now what you've done since then, we need to move on. If the last thing God ever told you was 20 years ago, get born again, we need to, we need to make some adjustments in a lifestyle, amen? And that's what the sword of the Spirit does. So in this, the sword of the Spirit that we're dealing with, it's not just knowing the truth, it's the truth you know. So we're going to break this down. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints of the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And it says, for the word of God, that term word in, Hebrew, in, in, in Hebrews 4.12, that word word right there is talking about the logos or written word of God. For the written word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. That's how it changed your life and you got born again. The written word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it goes on to say in Ephesians 6, 17, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the revealed or rhema word of God. It's the rhema word of God, the revealed word of God, that is the sword of the Spirit. Now, in both accounts of the Scripture, the same Greek word for sword is used, the M-A-C-H-A-I-R-A word. It's used the same in both. But the term word in both scriptures, one is the written word, one is the revealed word. So you got the same sword that is the written word and the revealed word. Thus two-edged because it means the written word is one edge of the sword and the revealed word is the other edge of the sword. It's a two-edged sword. It's the written and the revealed. Many of you have just been trying to keep the enemy at bay by using the written and one side of your sword. It's time that we begin to use and access the revealed word of God. So in this scripture, it's got the written word of God and the revealed word of God. And then John 8, 31 and 32, I know this is a ton. Follow it on the screen and also get the notes from it. They'll be in the church email. They'll be on the church blog. They'll be on the church website, the church Facebook page. You can't miss it if you really want it. 
okay? And so if he, or John chapter 8, 31 and 32 says this, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide, and that word abide means dwell or take up residence and means literally an address change. If you abide in my word, that is logos right there, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so literally what this verse is saying is you have the term word. If you abide in my word, if you abide in my written word of God, then you have the word rhema, the the revealed word of God. And then it goes to the term uh, know, you will know. That term know means genosco. Know literally means genosco. It means to know intimately as a husband and wife relationship. You will know or have an experience with my word. Now listen, when you got uh, married, every one of you said words to one another, right? Correct. You said vows to one another. You agreed with one another. Whether it was a JP or whether it was ever, you agreed to the word that was there. After you agreed to the word, later that night you had an experience. Right? Some of y'all are like, y'all are like, I cannot believe he's saying this in church. Listen, that's what it means. It means you have a covenant with the word and then you have an experience with the word. And I could have made it a lot more PG than I made it, or R-rated than I made it, Okay. I just know that there's fifth graders on up, and so I'm going to keep it very G-ish. G-ish. Damon's just shaking his head like, bro, you're digging deep. Literally what it is saying is I want you to marry the truth and have an experience with it that will be life-changing that you want to come back to again and again and again. That's what it's saying. It says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And if you abide in my logos, you will know, marry the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's what this verse of scripture really means if you break it down in the way it's intended to be read. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my, if you abide in my logos, you are truly my disciples. And you will marry or know the rhema or the truth And the rhema-empowered logos will set you free. What did he say? He said, if you abide in my logos, if you abide in my word, you will marry the truth. The truth will be revealed to you in experience, and that experience-empowered truth, written word, will set you free. That's what he said. Some of y'all are like, well, I just heard of knowing the truth, and the truth that sets you free. That's why you ain't free. Because you never intended on marrying the word. You intended on just using it like somebody you did in the past. You need to marry the word of God. I'm talking keep it with you wherever you go. I'm talking hug it in the morning when you wake up. Kiss it at night before you go to bed. I'm talking love on it. I'm talking about read it. I'm talking about place it deep inside you. I'm talking about make it a real part of your life, not an afterthought once in a while. If you treated your spouse like you treat the word, how long would your marriage last? I'm talking marry it. Have an experience with it. Make it good. And when we begin to fall in love or marry the truth, we'll have an experience, and that experience will set you free. Because that experience is powered by the written word of God. That's what he said here in John. And many people, believers, read that verse over and over and over, and it's not the truth, it's not knowing the truth, it's the truth you know, the truth you had an experience with, that then you need to back it up doctrinally and theologically. 
so you know that you know that you know it. You ever heard somebody say, I know that I know that I know? <laughs> okay, you know it by experience, you know it doctrinally, and you know it theologically. I know it, I know it, I know it. You need to get to know it. And you need to marry it. And you need to have an experience with it. And so John begins, or in the Gospel of John, he begins to talk about how the Word will set you free. And it is the written Word of God, but it's also the revealed Word of God. We've talked about carrying the sword. We've talked about um, <clears throat> knowing the sword. Let's talk about using the sword for just a little bit. It's a proven fact that more people in warfare died because of stab wounds than because of beheadings. Okay? Proven fact, more people have died in warfare because of stab wounds than beheading. So all those great movies you see where you see them jumping up in the air, like dude, you see them going like this, and he's like, ah! And you're cutting their head off. I mean, you've seen, okay, am I the only one who watches crazy movies like this? I mean, confess it with me, help, help me out here. And you see their heads rolling, and you're like, dang, that's awesome! That ain't reality. That's why it's called a movie. That's why it's called Hollywood. Fact of the matter is, more people have died from stab wounds than have ever died from beheadings. Because true trained soldiers don't run around in the battle like this. Right? They don't. They don't run into battle like this. They don't run in the battle with their shield behind them, their sword behind them, and their head first. I mean, really? Some of y'all running into battle like this, just chop it off. That's not how they went to war. The truth of the matter is this. The greatest armies in the world would go to war in groups. They would have four neatly formed lines with their shields leading. Their, their shields would attach, and they would step forward, pressing the enemy back. Then they would say, strike. They would step out, strike, pull it back, put their shield back up. You literally do this with your Christian walk. Your faith is leading you. Your faith is protecting you. And then the battle comes, strike, pull it back. Put your faith back out there. Your faith is the shield that goes in front of you. The sword is the striking mechanism. You got this great helmet that we talked about last week that's the revealed word, and it keeps you smart enough to keep it behind the shield, <laughs> to, don't, to not lose it. We've talked about this just a little bit this morning, and we talked about how Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of the soul and the spirit, the joints of the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Let's look at this term for two-edged just for a second. This term two-edged in the Greek means diastomos, D-I-S-T-O-M-O-S. Diastomos, di meaning two or two meaning die, stomos meaning mouth. So literally, it says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-mouthed sword. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense in the physical. Makes great sense in the battles we're fighting, not the battle against flesh and blood. You have the rhema word of God and the logos word of God. You have uh, the two-mouthed word of God. You have the word of God that is the logos, that literally is the first strike, and when you punch it in, it does the initial cut. But the rhema is the killing strike, and it's not a second strike. It's the turn and the pull where everything of the enemy falls at your feet. Do you understand it? The written word's got to go first. But then when the written word's in and you get revelation of who you are in Christ and how God set you free from those health issues, you rip it and pull it out and you watch sickness fall at your feet. Now I'm telling you, marry the word, marry it. Financial issues, it's the two-mouthed word of God. It's his mouth who said it first. It's your mouth that it was revealed to and now you're bringing the killing blow. 
two mouths, his and yours. God already spoke it. It's right there in black and white and red, and you just got to read it. And when it's in black, white, and red, and he has initially gone forth, he breaks the initial strike, you make the rhema strike, his strike will keep the enemy crippled and at bay, your strike, when it's revealed, kills him. Let, let, you want me to explain it to you better? Easter's in, Easter's in four weeks. Get ready, it's April 5th. The written word of God kept the enemy at bay. When Jesus was raised from the dead, crushed the enemy. It is written. I'm telling you. You cannot go through life without the revealed word of God. If you're ever going to be victorious, ever going to be in a place that's, that's victorious, you've got to believe in the revealed word of God. And I can, I'll testify this morning, something I never even said in first service, that if it hadn't been for the revealed word of God the past 10 days, I wouldn't have gotten through it. I wouldn't have gotten through it. And there's more stuff that's gone on, even in the past couple days, that we haven't even put out there. But I understand this. That if the word of God is living and active, that's talking about the Logos word, if it's living and active, sharpening the double-edged sword, it will even divide me from the, in the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, judging the thoughts and intentions of my heart. And so I began to pray, God, use this written word of God on me. And when I married the word and I began to read the word and study it, the written word of God became to life and it literally began to set me free. Began to set me free of things that I've gone through. In your life this morning, the addict this morning, there may be more than one person dealing with an addiction today. You've heard the written word of God preached to you. Your prayer needs to be, God, make this rhema to me. Make this revealed to me. That it's more than just you striking for me. It's you striking in me also. That it's just as much part of me as it is of you. That it's just as much a part of me, God, that is, as it is of you. In this life, you will have battles. The Bible doesn't say right here, if the day of evil comes. It says when it comes. It says in the day of evil. It's going to happen. And people say, Joel, you're a pastor. Why is all these things, why are y'all going through all these things? Because we live in the same fallen, broken world you do. We're not immune from it. It's how we stand in it. I'm not immune from losing kids, and I'm not immune from um, losing relatives and, and all the deaths that have gone on in our family. But I am protected by the shield of faith in the midst of it. That a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. I mean, it's the revealed word of God. And in this life, I want you to have that same confidence in the sword of the Spirit that's in your hand, this rhema word of God that is firmly and always attached to the belt of truth. That it's a two-edged sword that he strikes and then you're right there with him. All in one motion. It's not two separate strikes. So some of you need to constantly visualize, literally, your alcoholism and the strikes going against it. You need to visualize that drug addiction that you're on that your spouse doesn't even know about. And you need to let the word of God begin to take place in your life. Those relationships that you're in that you shouldn't be in, God's going to begin to set you free. Watch him do something amazing in your life this morning.